You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you. From God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. A lot of wonderful things happening today. We get to celebrate the wonderful joy of the baptism of Alex today, being brought into this family of God and the family of God throughout the whole world, having his sins forgiven, washed away, being so united to the cross of Christ that Jesus' perfection is now Alex's. What a joy to celebrate this day with you. Also, Mother's Day, and a lot of mothers out there with with very nice flowers that the, the kids were giving out too. We get to celebrate the joy of mothers and their care and their love for their children uh, remember Timothy's mother who brought him up in the faith and all that Timothy did uh, because of that, that nurturing and care of his mother. But then also today we get to celebrate this Sunday of Easter. And the Latin name for it is rogate. What that means is pray. You. You pray. An imperative. That's the name for this Sunday. The other Sundays, I don't know how much Pastor Wolfmuller has gotten into these Latin names for you. Uh, but, but we have a lot of Latin scholars up at ULC in Boulder, at least a couple of them, so we talk about it. And these Latin names always come from the first words of the intro, it, and that's always our Latin quiz up there. I say, well, what does this mean? And now they've figured out, turn to the intro and see it. But today they're all going to fail, which will be fun. Because it's not taken from the first word of the intro, it, for whatever reason, it's not. It's taken from the gospel where Jesus is telling his disciples to pray. Prayer is this wonderful gift that Jesus gives, and he gives it to us. And we learn of that today as we continue to go through this upper room discourse of Jesus that we've been in for the past few weeks, John 16, as he prepares the disciples for what's going to happen at Pentecost. We live in that time now. The Holy Spirit has been given, and so there's a lot for us to take from these texts. And one of those is to pray. It's an imperative, too. Jesus says, pray. Not, hey, if you want to, here's another really nifty gift that I've given you. And and when you feel like it, when you're called to, well, then you can pray. It's another way. No, he tells us, pray. He tells the disciples when when they ask him to teach them. He says, when you pray, which means you're going to. When you pray, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven. We just sang that wonderful hymn, Luther's paraphrase, of the Lord's Prayer, bringing some depth to it that that is there in that beautiful prayer Jesus gives to us. When you pray, pray. Call on the Father. What a wonderful gift we have to be able to do that. That's that joy of the prayer Jesus gives. We get to call God Father. Alex gets to call God Father. Because Alex has been united to Jesus Christ, the Father's Son. Alex stands there in those baptismal waters with Jesus when God the Father proclaimed and said, this is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. He says that of Alex now. He says that of you. What a joy it is. We get to call God Father. And then there's the promise that's in our Gospel reading today too, where Jesus says this, truly, truly, amen, amen, I say to you, whatever you ask, of the Father in my name, He will give it to you. What a joyful promise that is. 
Whatever you ask in the Father's name, and ask of the Father in Jesus' name, Jesus says, He will give to you. What a wonderful promise of prayer that is. But, as we're all thinking, really? Because it sure doesn't seem like that all the time, does it? There are oftentimes we go to God in prayer, and it seems like that prayer is not answered at all. We go to God and we say, God, we're struggling with this issue. We really wish you would take care of this. And sometimes it seems like he doesn't. It seems like Jesus is lying to us in this text when he says, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. We should be able to take that text as Christians and say, well, I want whatever I want and be given it. That's the way our sinful mind at least thinks. Whatever we ask of the Father in Jesus' name, He will give to you. Ask, Jesus says, and you will receive. But then we look at our lives, and it sure doesn't seem like that. Things don't happen the way that we want to. We think we go to God in prayer, and he ought to answer those questions, answer those prayers, but sometimes it doesn't seem that he does. We look at the world, and we see our lives, and we see the struggles we face, And if only it were that easy to go to God in prayer and have these answers fixed. But that's not what Jesus is really talking about here. You see, we often in our sinful flesh go to God and we pray prayers that ought not be answered. Or we pray them and we think that God doesn't answer them because, well, we've given God the answer we want Him to do. That's one of our struggles with prayer. That's one of my struggles with prayer. We go to God and say, God... All right, I've done everything I can to fix this problem. Now I can't. But but here's the problem, and here's what you have to do to fix it. So God, here is my issue. I'm struggling with, with this issue in my life. Here is the way of salvation, the way of fixing that issue. Just do it. I know I can't, but I've done the work for you, God. I've came up with the answer at least. Now you just have to work your miracles, do your wonderful things, and we'll be blessed. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. See, God doesn't always answer our prayers the way that that we want to. There's another alternate Old Testament reading for this Sunday. It comes from Numbers chapter 21. Many of you are probably familiar with that text. It's when they're out in the wilderness. And the people are out in the wilderness. They've gone out through the Red Sea. And they get impatient along the way. That's what the people of Israel do, don't they? They're in the wilderness. God has done these wonderful miracles. He's brought them out of Egypt. They've seen these plagues that happen. They've crossed through the Red Sea. But then they get out there and things aren't exactly how they want them. They say, well, we're just eating this boring food. Well, it would have been better to be back in Egypt. So they grow impatient with him and they speak against God and against Moses. And this is what they say. They say, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no food, no water. And we loathe this worthless food. Listen to that sentence. There's no food. And we loathe the food that you've given to us. But there's no food. No, it's not the food they want. They grow impatient with God. So what does God do? Well, he permits fiery serpents to go among them. These fiery serpents that are out there in the wilderness, that's one of the wonders of this wilderness wandering. They're out there 40 years, and they're not attacked by all the animals that are out there, all of the things that are out there. As they're getting ready to go into into, uh, the promised land, 
And Moses preaches in Deuteronomy. He says, remember what the Lord has done for you. Your feet did not even swell, and your clothes, they didn't even wear out. You've been out in the wilderness 40 years, and your clothes still work. But they grow impatient, so God allows these serpents then that he's been protecting them against to come among them, and the serpents start biting, which isn't good, and people start dying. Many people die, it says. And the people, they come to Moses... And they do this. They confess their sin. They say, we have sinned. We've spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed. What was their prayer? Their prayer was pretty obvious. Here there are these serpents that are biting us and killing us. So God, here's the way to fix it. Get rid of them. Seems like a good way to solve the problem. But God doesn't do that. That's the amazing thing. God doesn't say, okay, you've repented. I'll I'll, I'll permit the serpents no more to come among you. No, the serpents actually stay. Their prayer is not answered at all. He says, take away the serpents from us. And God says, no, not going to do that. But he does answer their prayer. He takes away the threat of what the serpents were. And he doesn't shut the serpents' mouths. No, they still slither around. They still bite people. But he tells Moses to do this. Make a fiery serpent. Make an image of one of these serpents. Set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent, set it up on a pole. And that's when he came back to the people. Imagine that meeting. Guys, I went and prayed. God said, no, serpents are going to stay here, but we can make a serpent on a pole. Just look at it. That's going to save you. Well, no. Moses, we've got these issues of these snakes biting us and they're poisonous. Looking at some image is not going to solve that poison issue. It's not going to suck it out. It's not going to cure it. Had to seem foolish. But then somebody's bitten. And they do as Moses said. They look at at that image, put up, lift it up, and they live. God actually answers their prayer. Not in the way that they want to. It seems that God is lying to them. He says, ask anything in my name and I'll give it to you. They say, Lord, take away the serpents, and he doesn't. But he does something far better. He takes away the threat of what those serpents could do. He takes away their death, their killing. You see, God does promise to answer our prayers, to give us these things. But he answers in ways that we don't expect. He answers in ways that are far better for us. You see, our prayer must always be a Gethsemane kind of prayer. It's not the way we usually pray, though. We usually, as I said, go to God and say, here's a problem, here's the solution, now be God. Do it. But then who are we really making God? Now God is under our control. We get to be the gods. We get to determine the things that happen. That's not the way God works. Instead, we go to God and we tell him the problem. And he gives us a solution that's usually far better. We might not see it. We might not see the answer to all of our prayers here. But the thing is, God does not really care just about this life here. He doesn't care that you have the best life in the world while you're here. What he cares about is eternal salvation. He cares that you are raised from the dead and live with him forever in that eternal resurrection, that new Jerusalem. That's what his aim is. Our aim is usually not there. It's on the things that surround us. 
It's on saying, God, there's no food while there is food. It's on saying, Lord, here's a problem, fix it. But no. See, the big problem with us is not fiery serpents. It's not financial difficulties. It's not all of these things. The big problem with us is sin. And that's the thing God cares most about taking away from us. He cares about removing that sin as he did from Alex this morning. Washing him in those waters of Christ. Taking his sin. Removing it. Cleansing him. Prayer must be a Gethsemane kind of prayer where Jesus is there in the Garden of Gethsemane. And what does he pray? He prays, Lord, if there's another way to do this and you can take this cup away from me, take these fiery serpents away, take this coming judgment away, please do it. But not my will, thy will be done. And Jesus goes to the cross because God's will was not to take away that cup, it was to pour it out upon him. To lift his son up like that serpent in the wilderness. And that's what Jesus tells Nicodemus, isn't it? Nicodemus comes wondering about salvation. Jesus talks to him about baptism. Unless one's born again from above, just as Alex is born again from above this morning, he will not have eternal life. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, and he sends him to die. Jesus says this, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. Jesus' prayer was a thy will be done kind of prayer. And the will of God was done. And it was for our good. God made Him who had no sin, Jesus Christ, to be our sin, to carry our sin, to carry Alex's sin, my sin, your sin, all the way to the cross and to take that cup of wrath that we deserve and to go out and be raised again. Jesus dies. He was lifted up. He died, but then he rose again. And now he tells the disciples what's going to happen with that resurrection. He is going to go away, the ascension. We celebrate it this Thursday. But he sends his Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit comes bringing the gifts that are Christ's, bringing his forgiveness and his salvation and even his prayers. You all have that Holy Spirit. And what a joy it is, that promise that Jesus gives. Whatever you ask in His name, He will give you. And in His name we ask for that forgiveness. We ask, Thy will be done, and God's will is done. He gives you that gift of the Holy Spirit that even makes your prayers correct, too. We sinful human beings, our prayers often, we don't know what to pray for. We don't know how to pray as we ought. That's what Paul tells the Romans. He says, Likewise, though, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. This is the joy of what Christ does for us, brothers and sisters in Christ. He intercedes on our behalf. The Holy Spirit that He's given you in your baptism and through His Word intercedes with groanings too deep for words, things we cannot even comprehend. He prays for you. And Jesus intercedes as well. There at the right hand of the Father, He says, that cup of wrath that you deserve, I've taken it. Your sins are forgiven. Pray. Pray and you know you have these promises. Pray, Lord, forgive us our trespasses and you can be promised that He does. Not because of you, but because of Christ. What God cares about is your eternal salvation. And He's given it to you. 
You believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, buried, and raised again. He is your Lord and Savior, and He gives you good things. We can pray in His name and know we have those promises. That's the joy of Jesus' imperative of pray here. He doesn't say, pray or else. No, He says pray. You have these promises. Eternal salvation is yours. You get to pray, thy will be done, and trust that God's will is done, and His will is that you have your sins forgiven, your faith strengthened, and your salvation secured in Jesus Christ. It may not look like He answers all of our prayers, but He does. He answers our prayers and gives us those things that we don't even think we need, the things that are best for us. Sometimes it seems foolish, His promises, just like lifting up a stake in the wilderness. He says, take water and be baptized. He says, this bread and wine is my body and blood. But they're true. Just as those people looked at the snake and were saved, we look at baptism and we know it saves us. It may look foolish to the world, but it's absolutely true. Your sins are covered with Christ. Now may this peace of Christ, which passes all of our understanding, may it guard and keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 830 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 930 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.